worship. Hallelujah. Anybody get as much out of that as I did today? Anybody feel the presence of the Lord here today? Man, if you don't, you need to get your ears open and your heart open. He's here. Hallelujah. Well, I am glad that you are here. I'm glad you are here. And I have a couple of things I want to share with you that I hope will, I hope will encourage you. Last week we talked about, we were in John chapter 15, the 15th chapter of John. And uh, the main discussion was about abiding, remaining in Christ, abiding in Him, being attached to a vine, the life-giving vine of Jesus. In fact, we have a, a slide that I want to put up here of what we said last week. When the branch, who's the branch? Who's the branch? Were you guys not here last week? <laughs> We are. When the branch is attached to the vine, who is the vine? Okay. When the branch is attached to the vine, the life of the vine will be reproduced in the branch. Who wants to be the branch when the life of Jesus and all of he, that who he is, his characteristics, all that he said, all that he's done, the way he lived, the way he talked, the way he taught, how many of you want to have that reproduced in your life? The way you do that is to have that branch have us attached to the vine. So that's what we discussed last week. Now today we're going to take another little look at another part of John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. And uh, I, you know, I'm just going to tell you up front, this is a sermon that may make some of you, it may make all of you, it makes me. A little uncomfortable. Is that okay? Alright, I know you might be coming, no, I want to be, I want to be uplifted, I want to be, but well, you can be. Because this stuff that Jesus was teaching, it can change your life. If you live by it, if you'll if you'll do it. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's words on a paper otherwise. You gotta walk in it. So it might make you uncomfortable, but I tell you, I promise you this, it's for your your spiritual benefit. So we're going to talk today about the part of those scriptures that involve pruning. Okay, we're going to hear that word a lot today, pruning. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I went to look, and I just wanted to see what was out there. So I went to Google, and I, and I almost need, I think I'm going to stop using Google now for all the things I'm hearing about them. But anyway, that, I'm on Google. I typed in articles on pruning Branches, articles on pruning trees. And this is what I came up with. You can't really see it, but I just pointed that out there. There were 6,250,000 results when I did that search. So I went and I started looking through these. Now, most people, when they search Google uh, statistics, say 90% of people, uh, I think it's even greater than 90%, but at least that, find their results of what they're looking for on the first page of Google results. Most of everybody never goes to the second page of results. If you went through, you would go to, I don't even know how many pages there would be to get the six million matches. So I decided I was going to go and look at a little bit more than just the first page, so I did. I didn't go very far, several pages. And everything I looked at, I didn't see anything that applied to the spiritual context of what we're talking about here with, with regard to pr- 
pruning. But there was a lot of articles that related to various horticulture or agricultural things, and, and, it, and it, was, it was voluminous. I mean, there were just so many things. So I picked one little quote that I saw that I thought was, was interesting. And this has, I believe, been used in, in sermons before. But this is a quote from a journal, and it says this. I'm sorry, that's, I skipped back. <laughs> We're on, that, that was before. That, that's my mistake. I put that in the wrong order. This is the, this is the quote that I want you to read with me here. Because of the grapes' tendency to grow so vigorously, this is an article just about pruning trees. Because of the grapes' tendency of pruning, in this case, a, a vine, a grapevine, its tendency to grow so vigorously, a lot of wood must, remember that word must, be cut away each year. Grapevines can become so dense that the sun cannot reach into the area where fruit should form. And when I thought about that, I'm looking at it, I see the sun. Of course, they're talking about the sun, the sun in our solar system. But I started thinking about that like, what if I put the sun S-O-N right there? And that things can become so dense, so cluttered, so chaotic maybe even in our lives that we've got all of this other stuff crowding things out that the sun, the S-O-N, Jesus, can't get the light of his truth into the areas of our life where fruit needs to be grown. And that's what we'll talk about today. Now this was one of Jesus, it was really Jesus' final teaching on earth, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Now we read some of that last week. I'm just going to read all of this again to put this in context so you can follow along with me on the screens uh, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. It says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Jesus is saying this now. Because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Now listen to this. Think about this now. If you remain in me, and my words, Jesus' words, remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to the reason that those things would happen, by the way, he says here. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now listen, if you want to be a disciple, and a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, let me want to do that. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you want to be a disciple, let me tell you, you, you you've got to do, I mean, that's what he's saying. He's saying that very clearly in verse 8. It's to the Father's glory that you bear much truth. 
That's how they're going to know. One of the ways they're going to know that you are disciples and that you are followers of Christ. You've got to bear fruit in your life. So let's talk about this a little bit. Remember the roles from last week. God is the gardener. I'm going to call him the master gardener today. Some translations call it the vine dresser. It's all basically the same. But I'm going to say the master gardener. He's the master of everything else. The master gardener's role is to produce. His goal is the objective of God the Father is to come in and to make sure that you are producing the maximum amount of fruit that you are capable of producing in your life. That's the role of the gardener. And many things other I talked about last week. Now, Jesus is the vine. We discussed that last week. He is where the, the life source comes from. He is where we draw our life from. How many people asked yourself this, this question last week? Where am I drawing my life from right now? None of you should have given it to you. Well, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but that's a question that we talked about last week is not just where am I drawing Oh, yeah, I'm drawing my life from Jesus. He's the vine. He's the life. I get it. No. In the circumstances, in the pressure, in the chaos, in the things that are going on, where am I drawing my life from right now? Am I getting my life and everything that that includes from Jesus through the vine, or am I getting it from other sources we talked about last week? And then the other thing that we're just remembering these roles, we are the branches. Now, the branches, we've got the God tends over to the vineyard. He is the, he's, he's the constant caretaker. Jesus is the vine, and out of the vine are branches. And the branches are the conduit, if you will. It's the conduit where the life of Jesus, through the vine of, of Jesus, flows through the branch to the places where fruit grows. Okay? Those are the roles of what it is. So, we said last week, don't try to be the gardener. Right? Don't try to be the vine. Now, here's where we need the slide. <laughs> be what? Be the branch. That's all you got to do. There were some things we talked about last week, how easy that is, how it's all that you don't even have the responsibility of all the rest of it. Just be the branch. Okay, so now let's talk about fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is a lot of different things. One of the things it is is external works and deeds that we do. There are things that will come out in fruit in our life that will be external. Now, they may not be obvious to everyone, and nor do they need to be. We don't need to be going around saying, hey, look at what I'm doing, or, or people to notice that. If they do, that's great. But the fruit will come out in things by whatever it may be. There may be places that you serve in the church and you help. It may be a neighbor that you helped out with something. It may be uh, that you're just following uh, uh, the instructions and, and being walking in obedience with, with the Lord. Those are things that are that are going to be evident that will be external. It could be things like evangelism or outreach or uh, any other kingdom-building activity. Let's put it that way. But it's also, and there's much more I could add to that, but it's also the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our life. The working of the Spirit in our life. And through that, there will be the fruits of the Spirit that will come forth in our life. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23... Many of us know this, not anything that we shouldn't read on a regular basis. No, commit to memory. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone in this room that couldn't use a greater dose of any of those things in your life? Being honest, of course we could. I know I could. I'd like to have more joy, more love, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But that's going to happen as we are attached to the vine, and that life is going to be reproduced in us. 
that's what fruit is, okay? We're talking about that. And I want to make, clarify one thing, because I did say the word works before. And I want to make sure there's just two things that, are, that we all probably know, but Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says very clearly that we are saved by grace. Is grace a saving? It's not of works. So no matter how much money you give to something, how many hours you volunteer, how many people you help, how many things you do, that will not get you into the gates of heaven. I want to make that very clear because the scripture clearly says that. It is about grace. Grace is how we're saved, not through works. And it is a gift of God. It's the greatest gift that God gave us. And he gives it to us freely. It is a gift. And then the other thing is, of course, what is said about works amongst others. But James chapter 2, a very important thing, where it says, faith without works is, faith without works is dead. So it's, you're not gonna, it's not your salvation, but you have to do things. You, there, you, you, there has to be works and deeds in your life in order for your faith to be active and vibrant. Because otherwise, it's, it's dead. You don't want that. Okay, four different kind of branches Jesus was talking about. I'm going to put these on the screen. Four different types of branches in the first five verses, all of these mainly in verse 2. One branch that does not bear fruit. Don't want to be that. One that bears fruit. One that bears more fruit. And then in verse 5, he talks about a branch that will bear much fruit. Those are all distinctively different. There's a story that I wanted to share with you from a guy, and many of you may know him. He's a Christian author and pastor and well-known speaker. His Max Lucado. And he wrote about this and wrote a story about a lady named Deborah Ricketts. And I want to read this exactly how he wrote it, this little part. So I'm going to quote him here. And, uh, and he writes this, quote, Everyone loves what Deborah Ricketts does, but nobody loves it while she's doing it. Everyone loves the product, but no one enjoys the process. She is an independent researcher for the film industry. Do you want your movie to be accurate? Want your facts to be reliable? Send a script and a check to this former librarian and watch the facts begin to fly. A film set in the 30s needs everything to look like the 30s. You can't have a person reading from a newspaper that didn't exist back then or a band playing a song that wasn't written. Some mistakes like this occur. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, the map that charted Indiana Jones' flight routed him over Thailand. The problem is, is that the movie was set in 1936. Thailand was called Siam until 1939. In Die Hard 2, Bruce Willis makes a phone call from what is supposed to be a Dulles Airport payphone in Washington, D.C. Many didn't notice that the phone booth read Pacific Bell. Now, for those of you that now know, Pacific Bell is the bell company in the West Coast, and the movie was being shot in Los Angeles, so somebody missed that. Apparently, they didn't have Deborah Ricketts on the case. <laughs> Deborah Ricketts lives to find these errors. She is on a scavenger hunt for flubs. She winds her way into the props and sets and examines everything. Other people's oversights are her undertakings. She annoys the scriptwriters for their own good. And here's the, th the thing, the last word in this uh, excerpt from Max Lucado's writing. The process is not pleasant, but the result is rewarding. The process is not pleasant, but the result is rewarding. Now, as we look at this branch, the different kinds of branches that we were just talking about that bear fruit, it's important to understand that this, really, there's some similarities there between the way God's mannerisms, if you will, or the way he approaches this, and what we're talking about here with this person. 
She's going to come in and identify all the things that don't line up, that aren't in alignment, that don't make sense, that don't fit. And she's going to put those things aside and replace them with the things that do fit and that are in alignment with whatever it is the story that she's looking at and working on. Much like the way God works when he wants to cut out the stuff in our life that isn't applicable to the place that he wants us to be at any given moment in time. So Jesus now, again, when he's talking about God the Father, he's talking about him as the gardener. I'm going to call the master gardener. He cuts and trims the vine. Now, I want to also say it's not that God, God's not trying to nitpick at us or point out all the failings and flaws and mistakes that we make. He doesn't spend his time thinking about that. That's not what he's trying to do. But it is important to just recognize, as we said before, his role is he is the gardener. And, in fact, the master gardener. And like any competent gardener, and he certainly is that, God will clip and cut away anything that interferes with his purpose and his plan for fruit to be born in your life. You hear that? He's going to cut away the things that interfere with his purpose and plan for us to bear fruit. And this is, what I'm going to say now, again, some of this might be, as I said earlier, maybe a little uncomfortable. The difficult and sometimes painful truth of this it's both difficult and painful, and it, it, it has been to me. How many people, let me just ask real quick, how many people think that you are either bearing fruit or have borne fruit in your life, in your in your following Christ? If you don't, you don't have to raise your hand, just think about it. How many people say, well, I think most of us say, well, well, yeah, we've done that. Let me just say this. Difficult and painful truth. If you are bearing fruit in your life, if you're doing it now, if you're going to do it in the future, if you are bearing fruit in your life, don't get too comfortable because you're about to be pruned. Difficult, painful truth. But it's that a pruning is coming. Now, don't look at that as a negative now. So how do I know? Think about how do I know what branches that Jesus says are going to be pruned of the four different kinds we we're talking about? All of them. It doesn't matter if you're bearing much fruit. It doesn't matter if you're bearing no fruit. Bearing no fruit is going to be cut and thrown away. You're bearing other fruit, it's going to be pruned. You're bearing fruit, just to make it clear again, a pruning is coming. Here's the next part of it. I want to put this on the screen. If you want to be in the river and the flow of God's blessing and favor, you must be pruned. How many want to be in the flow, in the river, and the flow of God's blessing and favor in their life. How many want that? How many want that? I hope all of us do. I know I do. How many want to be pruned? Not a single one of you. <laughs> and that's okay. Nobody wants to. But God has good intentions in this process. It's cleaning. That's a word that is used. Uh, for pruning, in fact, is a, in, in the Greek, there's a lot of things that come out of that. One of the words is clean. So he wants to clean things out of us. He wants a dead wood cut away. Pastor said that earlier today. One of the things he was saying that we want to be in the blessings and favor of God. Well, if you do, you want to be accepting of this. Now, it's a contradiction logically. If you think about it logically, you think, well, why if the garden's growing well and there's fruit being produced or flowers being produced, why do we need to cut away anything? I mean, and in our own mind, that makes sense. Let me 
give you an example of how I've explained this to people before when I've talked with them. About this and about other things related to, to following the Lord. How many people have ever worked out with weights? Okay, I have. I haven't much lately, and I need to again. <laughs> I probably need to exercise a little more than I am. But when you are working out with weights, let's just, I'll give you an example. If you're trying to bench press, let's say you can bench press 200 pounds. That's actually a good bet, but let's just throw a number out there. But you want to set a goal that I want to bench press 300 pounds. Well, you're not going to just walk in one day and say, I, yeah, I'm doing 200 now. I'm going to pick up 300 and do it. If so, you're probably going to be hurt or you're not going to be able to do it. So what happens is you are going to start working your body and working out to increase your strength, right? And then you'll be able to get to 220, to 230, to 240, and you'll keep mentioning your way up until you reach that goal. But let me tell you what happens when, when people are working out with weights. When you're working out with weights, and let's say bench press as the example, you're trying to strengthen your chest muscles, your shoulders, your arms. That's what's happening. So do you think that as I'm sitting there and I'm lifting those weights that I'm strengthening my muscles? Absolutely not. When you're lifting weights and you're doing that, you're not strengthening your muscles. You're tearing them down. That's what, that's what the whole concept is. You're breaking down the muscles in your body to where they're fatigued, they can't take anymore, and you're breaking down all of that muscle. But what happens is when it recovers and when, it, when the body is natural, uh, naturally organic way of doing that, it comes back and restores itself, and when it does, it's stronger. You see what I mean? When you're lifting the weights, it's not, this is making me stronger. This is making me stronger. This is why I'm getting strong. No, the reason you're getting stronger is because you're breaking down the muscle, and when it regrows, when it replenishes itself, it becomes stronger. It's very important to understand that in the context of this idea of pruning. So, please understand this. Our purpose, I'm going to say individually, I should be all of our purpose, and the purpose of this church collectively is not to become fuller plants with bigger leaves and, and, and big branches. That, that's not what our, our uh, purpose should be. Our purpose, and it says it here, our purpose, and, the re- and really by purpose I mean the reason why we're here, the reason we're here on this earth, both individually and I believe collectively as this body of believers here at First Assembly, is not to become fuller plants, bigger leaves, thicker branches. Our purpose is to bear the maximum amount of fruit that can be produced. That's the purpose. That's what it is. So if you look at it that way, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. In the next few moments, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Some reasons why gardener prunes. One, to remove dead or dying growth. That's one of the reasons that a gardener prunes, both the master gardener and a gardener out in a, in a, in a horticulture or agriculture application. What old part, now just ask this to yourself, I'm challenging you today, I'm challenging myself today, what old part or pattern of your life right now that is dying or dead, is something that has no future, no life in it, that's dying or dead, needs to be pruned? Ask yourself that question and think about it. The next thing is exposed fruit-bearing branches to sunlight. We talked about a song today. We sang a song. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. Where I first saw the light, you need light to, to get to the place where fruit can grow. You need to expose fruit-bearing branches.
matches the sunlight. So my question to you is this. What habits or hobbies do you need to drop? Do we need to drop so that more light can get into the places that God wants it to be? Ask yourself that question today. The other thing that, that a wild gardener and the master gardener prunes to increase the size and the quality of fruit. Ask yourself this question. And there was a story actually I wanted to tell about this. There's a guy named Jared that I know, and he was involved in a campus, a uh, university campus ministry. And he said that he had to decide, because he had a schedule, he had to do classes, he was doing all this stuff, and he had to decide whether or not he was going to get in his two-hour workout every day, something he was dedicated to. He was going to work out two hours a day, this guy did. But he had to decide whether I'm going to work out two hours a day or whether I'm going to take some of that time and dedicate it to this growing campus ministry. Guess what he did? He decided he was going to reduce that workout regimen and he was going to apply more. And that ministry grew and thrived. And now he's up in Georgia uh, running. He was a part of a campus ministry here at UNF here in Jacksonville. Now he's running his own. They sent him out on his own to run a whole other campus ministry at another university in Georgia. So see, the fruit was coming out in his life, but what happened? God pruned away. He allowed it. He was bearing fruit. Things were going okay, but what it is is he increased the size and the quality of the fruit in his life because he allowed God to prune away something that he could use more effectively for the kingdom of God. That's a true story. So what does God want you to ask yourself this question? I ask myself this question today. What does God want you to do to show a greater dedication for greater fruit? What does he what is he maybe what is he maybe speaking to you about? Maybe it's serving in some capacity. Maybe it's devoting more time. Maybe it's tithing more regularly. I don't know. But you do because the Lord is speaking to people now. When you're asking yourself this question, the answers are there. They're not vague. The Lord is speaking. And he will, if you want if you want him to, he'll do that. And if you want to live in the blessings and favor in that stream of, of what God wants for you, the best life he wants for you, this pruning is going to have to occur. This is not me saying this. I'm just expanding on what Jesus is clearly teaching here. Last thing is encourage new fruit to develop. You want to, in many cases, open up the place where new fruit can come in, much fruit even. So when was the last time you thought of, Trying something new, something that's kingdom-minded, something that's d- designed to build the kingdom, something that's not designed to, to minister or to help in other in other people's lives, something bigger than yourself. I'm not saying that people aren't doing any of this now. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not. It's not a. That's not. But when is the last time you said, "I'm going to try something new. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm going to do something that's kingdom-minded, where, where where God is going to get the glory for this." There's another quote I found in these uh, little journals I wanted to share with you, and I'm going to ask a couple more questions. The vine's ability to produce growth increases each year. But without intensive pruning, the plant weakens and the crop diminishes. Mature branches must be pruned hard to achieve maximum yields. What that saying is, is that if we don't go through a pruning process, through a cleaning process, if we're not allowing God to do that in our life, we're going to get 
we're not going to just not get stronger. The size and quality of our fruit get to be greater. We're going to get weaker. That's what I'm, that's not, I'm just saying. That's what that says. I'm saying, but I believe that to be true. You have to continue this process this, as you're walking out this life as a Christ follower. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Three more questions, really quick. Do you want, ask yourself this question. Maybe you don't want it. If that's the case, that's okay, I guess. I don't think that's God's plan for you. But do you want a maximum yield of fruit in your life? Is that what you want? Or do you want whatever you can get, whatever it is, it's okay? Do you want the maximum yield of fruit in your life? Okay. If you want, I'm just, I'm asking, is this much rhetorical, but you're free to answer. I, I say yes to that. Do you want all the blessings? I know what the answer this is going to be. Do you know what? Do you want all the blessings that God has for you in your life? Of course. Why not? Certainly we want that. We should. God wants to bless us. He wants to show favor to us and our families and everything that we are involved in. Here's another thing we talked about last week where we characterized it this way. Do you want to live fully, not partially, do you want to fully live the life that God intends and wants you to live? Do you want to do that? I do. Because I know that whatever His plan is for me living my life is better than anything that I could ever come up with. Do I want to fully live the life that you want me to live, God? You betcha. Absolutely I do. And here it comes. Well, guess what? You're going to get cleaned. You're going to get cleaned up a little bit. Because in order for me to do everything that I want to do in your life, i got to clean out some of the junk. i got to clear out some of the clutter. i gotta, I got I to clear the field to let me do everything I want to do in your life. And if you're willing to let me do that, you will be in the river and the flow of God's blessing and favor and the life that He wants you to live. If you're willing to do it. So it comes at a price. But the price is well worth it. Rob, would you please come? I want to put that quote back up on the screen in just a minute. If you want to be, I want to just say this, I'm standing by this one. If you want to be in the river and flow of God's blessings and favor, you must, it is not optional, you must be pruned. So when these times come, recognize that God is working in your life. When you're being challenged or convicted, as we say many times, recognize that that's God trying to prune you, to clean you up, to prepare you for the life He wants you to live. Fully, in all that He has for you. He wants to bless you. God is not up there keeping a scorecard, deciding when he's going to dole out blessings. They're already promised. But we have an obligation. We have things that we have to do. We have to live righteously. We have to be in a call to holiness, individually and as a church. We have to live the way that he has has outlined for us. We have to walk in obedience. But when that happens, 100%, remember I said last week, you can't be attached to the mind part of it. You have to be attached to the vine all the time. You can't say, I'm going to be attached this week and next week I'm not. I'm going to go do my own thing and hang out and do this stuff and go do whatever. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get myself right with God. I'm going to be, I'm going to press in. I'm going to to do the things I need to do. Then I'm going to break off again. It's not going to hit. It's not going to be in your life if you do that. If you're 100% connected to it, you'll live the life that God has. He'll open the doors that need to be opened. He'll close the ones that need to be closed. 
He'll bring things into your path, people, circumstances that you never could even imagine. Because that's the life he wants you to live. One that blessings and favor follow you around like a little toddler trying to get a piece of candy in your hand. I'm telling you, man, they'll follow you. I've seen evidence of this. I could tell you a whole other series of things just about these things that have happened to me. I was going to tell this story about David. I'm going to save this for another time. Run out of time. I do want to share this last verse with you. I think the Word of God is so powerful. If, you, if, if everybody could just do this for me, let me just, before we close. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. Make a note of it. Or mental note, or write you down the note. We've got pens and paper. 1 Samuel chapter 25. You can read it in three or four minutes. I want you to read that story of David and how God pruned him and prepared him for the great things that he had. In spite of all things, he was already the anointed king. Samuel had anointed him, but yet he was on the run from King Saul. All of these things. And yet, he was, but at some point, he was offended. He was insulted. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm just going to give you the outline. How many people have been insulted? How many people have been offended? I'm going to ask it again. How many people have been insulted? How many people have been offended? Maybe that's what God wants to prune out of your life today, unforgiveness. Something that might be carried over from one of those instances. We've all had that. David was insulted. He was offended. He was the rightful king. He knew he was. But King Saul was still there, and he wanted people to treat him differently. And he decided that this guy Nabal, who had offended him, he was going to go kill him and everybody in his camp. But yet God sent someone, his wife, Nabal's wife, Abigail, to deliver a message. And when that message was delivered, David was smart enough to recognize, this is, he didn't say this, of course, but this is God pruning me. He's taking out of my life this vengeful attitude, this revenge that I want to get. He is the Lord God. He has sent you. And I'm going to change my way. I'm going to change my behavior because God has sent a message to me. Read that story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. I encourage you to do it. Even King David, not king at the time, but even David, the great warrior, the mighty Bible hero, the king, he was proved. And it made him, although not perfect, it made him a better king, a better leader, and a better man. 1 Peter 6 and 9, this is just the last thing I want to say. When we're pruned, when we're cleaned out, when God's trying to clean out the junk, the clutter, and how we respond to it is of utmost importance. Utmost importance. And it says this in First Peter. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. I mean, what? To trust God in your life. How many want God to trust you? Lord God can give us some things sometimes. He's got to know He trusts us with it. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tested purifies gold. Though your faith, your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So these things are going to happen, but how we respond to it is so important because God is watching us. He wants to know. 
Can he trust us? How much can he do? There's certain things he can't bless some people with because he knows he can't trust them with it. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's true. But he wants to bless you. He wants you. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to close. And I'm going to ask people just in this last few minutes. If you have something that you need prayer for, as we start to sing, I want you to come to this altar where people pray. We don't care what it is, what the circumstances are. Maybe you've got something that you need to have that you pray for in your life. And by, by coming, by the way, nobody's going to look 